what's happening around the world, a very, very quick um, go around. Uh, Abu Dhabi is going to host a UFC Fight Island, if you believe that. So um, even though uh, some short time ago that uh, John Oliver, the English comedian who has a show on US TV, I think on HBO, he basically said that instead of UFC Fight Island, that it should be called UF and then C as an S-E-E-A. And Dana White immediately copyrighted. So there you go. Dana, always the most original man. Right, I'm going to go straight away and say hello to uh, my co-host for this evening. I'm going to start off with Andrew Flint. Andrew Flint, welcome in from Jimen. Hello, how are we doing, guys? Um, nice bright blue skies here. Well, dark skies at the moment because it's evening, but how are you doing over there? Very good here in Moscow. Warm and lots of uh, clowns out in the streets. To Double N, who is rejoining us after a self-imposed exile. Um, apparently, you know, we, we, we were... Worrying if it was a doping ban, we're still not too sure. We're waiting for uh, the water to come back with the results. Uh, Double N, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine, fine. Glad to be back. Uh, we'll go to Alex B, wherever he is. He's in the dark right now, so he's uh, showing his solidarity for Black Lives Matter. Alex, how are you doing? Howdy, howdy, howdy. That, that, that is correct. <laughs> I'm back at the studio. Very good. That's good. You're in Moscow City Towers. So, um, yeah, so all Georgians who are looking to kick the crap out of Alex B, he's in um, Moscow City Towers. Okay, so there you go. Right. And of course, until further notice. (laughs) And of course, welcome, of course, our legal eagle, Isil Cody. Isil, you're looking lovely. Your hair is down. I discovered where my hairbrush has been hiding. <laughs> it's an exciting day for me. Do you know what, Isolt? The hairdressers have reopened today in Moscow. There were queues don't, everywhere. Don't taunt me. No, I, I, I'm not going to go of contention in Ireland. Um, the Russian Premier League has lost a World Cup winner. Benny Hawidis has left Lopti Moscow, he said, for family reasons. Um, Andrew Flint, what else is happening in the Russian Premier League before we restart, of course, in a couple of weeks' time? Well, you know, let's start with some positive, shall we? I think the biggest story, really, um, on the playing front is the return of Wagner Love to CSK Moscow. Um, he is largely recognised as the, the the greatest foreign player in the Russian Premier League history. He's broken records. He's won four Premier League titles. So he's he's on his way back. It's not quite been confirmed yet, but it's as good as done. An interesting bit of news as well, I think, for next season. Um, it's not actually going to affect a lot of players at the moment, but in the future it could open the doors to more, which is the players in the Eurasian uh, Union will now no longer be considered foreigners, which we, we already knew, but it's now being confirmed. So uh, there's only four clubs that it actually affects at the moment. You've got um, you've got Kazakh players who have got... Uh, uh, to Zainutdinov uh, Rostov is having a very very good season uh, Islambek Kuat at Orenburg who's had a very good season too um, uh, but admittedly Orenburg themselves are, are struggling a bit Armenians uh, will no longer be foreigners uh, so you've got Varadas um, Aroyan at Ural Yekaterinburg and uh, Karapetian at Sochi uh, and then Kyrgyz players as well will no longer be considered foreigners this links in with the 7 plus 8 uh, sorry, 17 plus 8 rule where 8 foreigners will be allowed in the matchday squads. That's what's being spoken about. But again, it's not quite being confirmed for next season, um, to the best of my knowledge. Andrew, question, that that, que- question, Andrew, is that going to go uh, all through Russian football, all the way down to the, sec- to the third tier or second division? Uh, it, it is because it's been on an employment basis. They, they've done it because... 
I, th I believe it's in, this is about six years ago that working restrictions were relaxed for those nationalities because of being members of the Eurasian Union. So um, I doubt we're going to see a huge amount of movement in the third tier at this stage. Possibly just a few players might seep through, but I think it might open the doors to more of the best Kazakh talent coming through because there are some very good, talented young players coming through in their new generation. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. Um, other leagues are about to come back, but the Turkmen League is still ongoing. How is the state of play in Turkmenistan? Our league is going on. So, uh, as you know, it was shut down briefly without no, no explanation. But so far, it's going on as if nothing happens all around the world. And uh, we, we are looking into Altenasir to most probably take the cup and take the title, I mean, again this season. Like, uh, right now, there are two points ahead of Ahal, which is coming on in the second place. So um, in Uzbekistan, however, the league is going to start on June 13th. So uh, there are two teams which are now currently in, in the top spot, which is Pahtakor and Nasaf. And uh, we should mention that Pahtakor is a quite decorated team. So they're looking to regain and control like the first spot. And I think they're going to previous year. They're going to win it all, yeah. And, and talking about Tajik, Tajikistan League, um, it's going to resume on 16th of June. So um, in contrast to Turkmenistan, which I think they allow people to uh, come to stadiums to watch games. Like, mm -hmm. it's not crowded uh, as usual. It, it wasn't crowded before, but it's now, now it's also not crowded. So, But Tajik League is going to be played without with no uh, spectators so and uh, Istiklal and Hatlan are sharing the first position with 10 points so far so and Istiklal as you know is a very much decorated team so continue with their successful run this season what was the reason that the Tajik league shut down was it just over player safety like the reason was the situation in the world and they 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 were not admitting at first as you know, and then we had to admit because there were cases reported. So, and right now they're training in Kyrgyzstan uh, league is, uh, they have their meeting today to decide what they're going to do and when they're going to reopen, resume. Uh, Turkmenistan as a country, um, how is the situation of coronavirus there at the moment? We are not like, uh, we, we are not at the best position in press indexes and stuff so it's really really hard to get information from there like confirmed information but from from the rumors which are circulating there are now some cases in the north of country so it's quite alarming because they have border with Uzbekistan which has confirmed and Kazakhstan Whoa. so um, at the moment there is no official information and I don't think it will come no such big disasters like statistics wise and okay I'm trying to see if I can get Alex B in. Alex, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. You can hear me. Okay, I was yeah, trying to... <laughs> Okay, Alex, listen, before we go to uh, ESOP, because of course we have the whole situation with a certain Irish, um, let's just say, fighter. Um, what's, what's the latest with Conor McGregor? What has he been up to now? Yeah, it's kind of been the usual uh, madness we see with Conor McGregor because... Like last week or like a, or like two weeks ago, we were talking about his fight with Anderson Silva that he had planned, and now he announced his retirement for the second time, I believe. 
Third time, and last time. Third, third time, time, Alex. Yeah. Third time. Well, I know the last time he retired, we actually reported that about. That's like right. Last, last about this time last year, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So since then, he's had one fight in the UFC, and he's looked very good. So it's kind of been. I've kind of. Uh, I wasn't shocked to see this because. You know, it's Conor McGregor, but at the same time, I was, it was unexpected. It was unexpected. Why, in your opinion, did he retire? Well, he said that it's because of lack of competition, which is a very strange reason to hang up the gloves. I haven't really seen anybody do that, but he said that there's a lack of competition, but right now he's in the lightweight and welterweight divisions. He's kind of thinking between those two where he's going to uh, fight next. And, well, I mean, lightweight is the most stacked division in the UFC right now. Same thing with welterweight. So for him to say that there is no competition in, you know, in a league where he's been beat several times. Well, he wanted, he wanted to fight with that guy Gatches, wasn't it? And it, it didn't seem that... Gatches. Gatches, yeah, sorry, Gatches. Uh, that, that didn't come through. Uh, yeah, well, again, there's people like Khabib Nurmagomedov. There's people like the Diamond Dustin Poirier. There's... Uh, Justin Gagey, Tony Ferguson, all those guys that he hasn't, you know, he's kind of challenged, but he hasn't fought. So I don't know why he would retire right now. Oh, we'll ask uh, Eastwood that same question in a minute, but first, I, would say, well, <laughs> I mean, it looks like there's a general revolution against Dana White because a lot of top fighters are starting to kick up a bit of a fuss, aren't they, Alex? Uh, yes, that is true. I actually, um, I messaged you about this. I was, um, I managed to catch a bit of the press conference right after the last event on YouTube as it was happening live. And I just saw Dana White getting asked all those questions about that. And he was getting more and more visibly upset. And eventually he just started like almost yelling and the video just cut off. So I don't know. I've been kind of just wanting to rewatch the whole thing. But he has had some key points. He said that when they asked him about, you know, George Masvidal, John Jones, Conor McGregor, all those guys are unhappy with the way things are being run, and they're also huge draws. So they asked him how, you know, how they're going to, how the UFC is handling this. You know, to which he replied that they've seen this all before. They've seen this all before. But I, like, I don't know. I don't know if they've seen this stuff before, before because John Jones and Conor McGregor are both trying to, you know, leave or stir something up against Dana White here, and they're the two biggest draws of all time in the UFC aside from Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, who are no longer competing. Is there a chance that maybe some of these top fighters could force a change? Because basically, now correct me if I'm wrong, okay, that they're contracted as independent contractors, but they have to do exactly what Dana White and UFC and their backers say. Um, so uh, here's how it kind of works right now. This is, how I, uh, this is what I think how it is right now. So... For the average fighter, they give you your opponent, and you can say no to that first opponent, but if you say no to him, then the next opponent they give you is who you're fighting. So that's kind of how it works. Um, it, obviously, like there's things that, like your popularity, like how much the people want to see you fight, that kind of also matters. Like Conor McGregor is always going, the UFC is always going to welcome him with open arms because they just know he's always going to be a draw. But, you know, for all those lesser-known fighters, they have to actually perform well or be in good standings with the UFC in order to get those title shot opportunities and so forth. Do you think that the fighters aren't going to come together and like force UFC or say to make a union, for example, they won't do that like a prop I use. 
the thing that they're upset with right now is that, you know, George Masvidal is upset with that he's not getting these top fights that he deserves, which is actually like, he, that's a very fair claim because he, he does deserve to have, you know, that title shot at this point. Now, Conor McGregor is upset because he just doesn't get the opponents that he wants. Uh, John Jones doesn't think he's getting paid enough for the level of athlete that he is, which is, again, uh, people that are, you know, arguably even like, the same level or like even less talented than he is that are getting paid a lot more for other combat sports, you know, like boxing. Oh, so that's, they, they've all got different reasons. So I don't think they're going to form anything against Dana. Okay. That's, that's again, that's, that's all thing. If they come together, it's a different thing, but we're going to just go across to East Salt. Uh, uh, lots of breaking news around the place. You and I were having a chat about what, uh, like what Connor does or did next or last, of course. Um, it's not as cut and dried as we, we would hope it to be, is it? Connor uh, has retired and I suppose he's currently, well, as of yesterday, he was on his jet ski out around Dublin having a great time of it. Unlike the Jorge Masvidal's, the John Joneses, when he was retiring, um, and in their case, they're relinquishing titles, he wasn't making any complaints about athlete welfare and instead expressing a disinterest in what was available to him. So I suppose he's in a very different position because he has always been, in my opinion, grossly overpaid. Um, coincidentally, um, at the moment in Ireland, a there was an allegation made, which was reported in the media, I suppose, over the last number of months, about a high-profile um, sports personality um, with an allegation of rape hanging over them. Just coincidentally, at the same time as McGregor had retired, that allegation has now been through various sources um, in the Director of Prosecutions Office here, it's now come out that the DPP has made a decision not to prosecute. Now, the timing for a high-profile athlete retiring and another high-profile athlete no longer having a potential case to answer, it, it's coincidental. A guy, first name Connor, second name McGregor. I mean, he the, the whole situation with it, uh, it, it does seem odd. To retire and face court, ba- court battles is one thing. To retire when it seems to have gone away again? You wouldn't have known. So generally, the procedure would be that you would get an indication that a decision is funneled down through your legal team um, that a decision was imminent. And you wouldn't know which way. You may have indications, but it's also unlikely you'd know definitively which way something was going. So I suppose you're cutting off any potential headlines at the outset by having all this as the main focus, as opposed to anything else than hoping, I suppose, that even if it isn't going ahead, that it'll just slip by without being the main news topic. It's a very difficult situation because obviously anything is an allegation until um, proven otherwise. The difficulty is I think there's always going to be a certain amount of it's disappointing when rumours go around as to the level of potential evidence and you don't see cases at least brought to a jury. I suppose with criminal prosecution, it's not like a civil case where you go, oh, if we have a 50-50 chance, we'll roll the dice. Public prosecution services globally, they want to feel they're going to be on a winning what kind of percentage? What kind of percentage, Isles? Um, It is beyond a reasonable doubt with rape allegations that's it's very tough because it's a he said she said um 
even with a litany of evidence, a jury can take a dislike to a particular person or they can, again, victims can be torn apart, which is an uh, essentially an, a second traumatising, which it's a lot to ask someone to go through. In terms of, we, we, we all know the statistics um, in terms of rapes that happen are reported, are brought to prosecution and a guilty verdict is rendered. How does that percentage break down, Isolt, in, in, in that process, if you, ha- if you, if, if you know? It's, well, the, the cases which go to prosecution actually don't have that bad a success rate in terms of bringing guilty prosecution. I don't actually have the figures off the top of my head. The difficulty, I think, complicated in this matter and I, I hate to say it, but last year, was it two years ago now, we will all recall there was a high-profile rape case outside this jurisdiction, but in Northern Ireland, which ultimately wasn't successful against a number of rugby players. There was a huge amount of evidence. There was victim testimony, which I don't think anyone would have considered wasn't extremely strong. The, um, from all accounts, it sounded like a very strong case was put forward but ultimately that was unsuccessful. And I think <coughs> prosecutors in any jurisdiction will look at the perception and go, would we instantly have a prejudiced jury? Because everyone in Ireland, you in rape cases, you don't name the person who's accused or the victim unless the victim waives their right to anonymity. And in a high-profile case, you certainly wouldn't be advising someone to do so because of the potential for fans, uh, for online abuse, for people to find out where you live, etc. And obviously, Connor has quite a fan base. So in that instance, when it's a he said, she said, and there's a jury, they're going to look at the high profile name and say, what is this woman coming after? Because a lot of people don't realise that in Ireland, there's very little, like you're not benefiting. It's not like the high profile civil claims you normally follow. They have against certain historical institutions where there have been sex uh, abuse claims but it's not a case that victims generally sue here it's not like the ronaldo civil suit in america it's 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 not worth the like the financial return on bringing a frivolous case is not worth it because you'll be destroyed like both in and outside of court if you go public you you will be yeah very much so and i think people are also forgetting that it is it's a huge ordeal to ask a victim to relive something particularly faced with their accuser. And we're also remembering that without victim evidence, it's very difficult to prosecute, even if you have every possible piece of physical evidence. Someone will always say, but what? All you need is one person in a jury to be going, maybe she consented, maybe this was rough sex, and let's not jump from one conclusion to the other. Why? Um, I mean, a lot of this that, uh, say, Connor's uh, misdemeanors, both in the US and in Ireland are being, let's say, more freely reported in the US. Why is that? Um, Irish media, I suppose, are defamation laws. Um, Cease and desist letters, I think there's an aggressive pursuit, potential for an aggressive pursuit of anyone reporting anything without it reaching a stage of conviction. It's different when something has come to the fore in open courts. We've talked a lot about Daniel Kinnan in the last few weeks. Yeah. In the special criminal court it's openly the structure of the Kinahan gang has openly been discussed as sworn evidence in court so you can comment on that without the fear of someone going we're going to sue you it's interesting that there doesn't seem to have been any high profile 
uh, reported cases where anything has been taken by McGregor and co. And he certainly hasn't made any moves against the New York Times have done some very extensive opinion pieces. But again, uh, I think even in England, we saw it reported a lot at a lot more open a level after the incident in 2018, the alleged incident. But um, the Irish courts are wary, like, and Irish journalists are understandably wary because mm-hmm. McGregor obviously has the financial wherewithal. In, in this case, do you think that it's, you know, that something should go to court so that they, the, or, you know, say, for example, that the person who is being accused should say, hold on. I'm going to clear my name fully and, and go to court. Well, I, I think I think Eastall made the, the most important point there that there's there's two separate sides to it. There's the, the the legal process. You would love to be able to say this should be you know to 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 clear the name of um, of somebody who's been falsely accused or to rightly uh, prosecute somebody who is guilty of such a heinous crime. But then, like Eastall mentioned as well, to make that a genuinely likely outcome to get the full accurate picture to ask the victim or accused victim to appear in court is just it, it's um it's, a, it's not a vicious circle it's just it's a it's an impossible paradigm basically for me i mean i would love to be able to say that there is a way that those two things do not have to mutually exist but they do unfortunately for a legal process to to really give it the full extent of what you'd hope a court case would do, which is clear the name if wrongly accused, or prosecute if, you know, if, if correctly accused. Um, so honestly, I don't know what I would, what I think should happen. I know what I would like to be able to happen, but I just don't see how. Um, I, honestly, I don't have the answers to it. I, I don't know I, who does. You've reminded me of a lecturer who I had years ago who made the example, and it was to do with sexual assault victims and why he didn't think even the strongest evidence would suffice without a victim. He compared it to, I think it's Doubting Thomas with the show me the wounds. They want, people want to see the complainant before finding someone guilty of such a heinous thing. I, I, so you, you're the, you are the lawyer, of course. I do not know the ins and outs of legal processes, but I, there's almost a part of me that wonders whether, um, whether a completely independent jury is the right way to decide a case like this where impressions can be made and quite a lot of these cases as you we've we've mentioned involve very high profile people who people already have formed an opinion of because of their high profile how exactly i think then as well then you can you you can have jury selection to an extent so if you're if you're looking at a jury and you go and you're acting on behalf of a defendant are you going to want a jury filled with um, older men who may have daughters that age or are you going to want a jury filled with young men who may be a similar age it could maybe go or oh, maybe she's just giving a different version of this or if the girl was dressed a particular way do you want women of a certain age who may be more likely to judge it's such a big thing that can hang on the opinion of on something so insignificant in the sense that a jury's member's perception as opposed to not yeah. looking at the evidence uh, I want to go to, to, to Dublin. Dublin, in Turkmenistan, do they have jury trials or is it just with a single judge? There are no, there are no such thing as um, juries. So there is a single judge, I think. A single judge, okay. Yeah. 
And in, in terms of, like, say, with serious cases, what's the most high-profile one you remember in Turkmenistan? Well, there is there was one uh, attempt assassination of our previous president. Uh, it was a, I think it was some political uh, process, but I'm not sure. Like, my sister was studying at the moment in Ashgabat, and she heard like the bullet sound and stuff. Something it was set up. Something some argue that they really wanted a revolution there. I think it was back around 17 years ago, something like that. So it was uh, highest, like very high profile. But back then, you know, our first president, he did whatever he wanted. With the, so I think there was no justice there. Okay. So yeah, that was that was Turkmenbashi, yeah. 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 Okay. So, okay. Alex B, uh, quickly before, because I'm going to do our 30 second roundup just in a couple of minutes. Alex, uh, what else have you got from uh, your side of the pond? Amanda Nunes won her last fight. She's kind of always been, the, for all well, for the past year or so, she's been considered by everybody to be the greatest female fighter of all time because that's kind of, she's ran through, well, I mean, she's beaten every other woman that's been, you know, even remotely close to her. So at this point, they kind of don't, they're running out of options for her to fight because she's kind of ran through the division. So right now they're thinking that after her last fight, she should be considered as the greatest fighter of all time, period. So that's... Ma- ma- male or female, yeah, been, basically the best of all time. Yes, best of all time. Oh, okay. I, I don't really agree, to be honest, because I just think the um, women's MMA fighting is still very, you know, very young. Mm-hmm. And there's been, there's been fighters like, you know, Anderson Silver, Fyodor Yamalenko, who've been just ra- running the league that they were in, you know, their divisions for decades. Well, I mean, for a decade singular, but uh, I, I just think that Amanda Nunes, she just, I don't, I think it's very early to talk about that. It's still very early to talk about anybody being the greatest of all time, because actually George St. Pierre said this after they put him into the hall of fame. I think that was about a month ago. He said that he doesn't consider himself or for that matter, anybody to be the greatest fighter of all time, because Anybody is capable because any good fighter is capable of beating him on any given night. Yeah. He is, he essentially just said that it was just his night for most of his fights. D- d- listen, that's any any honest fighter will say that it's like on that night everything came together. Right. So we're going to ra- wrap up. Um, I'm going to do 30 seconds. I'm going to ask everyone a question, and uh, I want to, an answer in 30 seconds. So you can answer someone else's question as well. But you I answer what you're say dance with the one you're brought with so I'm going to start off with uh, Double N Double N you've only got 30 seconds coming up now why should people find a stream to watch the, uh, the Central Asian football what is good about Central Asian football you have 30 seconds tell me why now um, I think as Andrew mentioned there is a lot of talent in some of the Central Asian countries especially in Kazakhstan as you know it's uh, well financed and in terms of organization I think Uzbekistan League is also not so far behind and I think overall it's a good idea like we have a stable very stable league of Turkmenistan which runs whatever it is so I think that should follow from now Alex uh, why should Ronda Rousey be considered the best female fighter of all time Ronda Rousey she you know Dana White said that she pretty much allowed the women's divisions to appear in the UFC because she was so popular at the time with how good she was with that armbar that people just started tuning in and she became the biggest star, you know, bigger than most men who are fighting. 
and as a female and that was just that kick-started the the female divisions in the ufc andrew going to go to you right away what happened with your haircut <laughs> very very simple um, my memory is terrible my my best friend out here told me the uh, hairdressers were open in Chumen. I didn't. I forgot. Um, and my wife was giving me grief about how long my hair was. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do something good as a loyal husband. I'm going to listen to what my wife said. Get my hair cut. And she comes in and says, you know, the hairdressers are open. And it was just one of those. You think you've done something brilliant, and in a flash, it's turned into the worst thing you've done possible. So um, I'm going to keep my glasses here, yes. so you can't see the. Um, Finally, Iselt, very simple question. How long should that person who you won't name again be put behind bars for? Anyone who did the things that were um, leaked here and committed those sort of crimes should be behind bars for a minimum of 12 years and should not be behind the bars of an octagon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 20 seconds, all right. Brilliant. I kept it short. <laughs> All right, I, listen. I can also give advice on how I did my hair also. No, no, <laughs> we'll go back on Friday. Give you okay. advice. We're going to go away right now uh, and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. So thank you very, very much. And this is Capital Sports 2.0. Until Friday, have a good one.